as health and care partnerships across the country work together to improve the quality of care and health outcomes for local residents, this series of podcasts explore some of the key elements involved in making integrated care a reality. Hello everyone, I'm Dr Dan Alton. I'm a GP and Population Health Management Clinical Lead for Berkshire West CCG and an NHS England Population Health Management Champion. I'm joined today by Dr Jennifer Singh. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm a GP and I work in the NHS. I have an interest in lifestyle medicine and earlier this year I went on a prescribing lifestyle medicine course which gave me a real structured framework in how to prescribe lifestyle advice for patients with chronic disease such as type 2 diabetes. We're also very lucky to be joined by Matthias Winker. I'm a health economist by background. I'm leading on a number of strategic initiatives for the Royal Berkshire NHS Foundation Trust, but I'm also involved in programs in our Berkshire West Integrated Care Partnership. I was part of the analyst huddle in the Berkshire West PHM program and as part of the system-wide analyst group, I reviewed the actuarial principles and agreed the models for analyzing and projecting the Berkshire West activity and spend for health and social care. And we also worked with clinicians on the design of these interventions. Today we'll be discussing a little bit about how one particular project, one particular intervention worked within our Berkshire West area, within a primary care network. Now this particular intervention focuses on patients with type 2 diabetes that we found through our work and through our engagement with the Population Health Management Programme were a group that could benefit from a slightly different approach. So we first got involved in population health management as Berkshire West was part of wave one of the NHS England Population Health Management Development Programme. And we started off by having a bit of time and a bit of space to discuss what's really happening. How can we improve the way we deliver services to make them more nuanced, to provide services that are more tailored to the needs of our patients, the true needs of our patients, rather than being designed the way health and social care services have historically always been designed and grown up around that particular approach. How can we change that approach to actually deliver the services more effectively, focusing on person-centered care and what truly matters to our population? The people around the table were clinicians like myself and Jen, analysts and data experts like Matthias, managers, including the senior managers of the various organisations within our system, our partners from social care and our partners in the voluntary sector. And as part of this development process, we have developed a system whereby at every level we have close working to really look at what's happening in our populations, identify cohorts who may need a slightly different approach, use data to try and understand more about what's happening to our patients in our primary care network populations, and crucially speaking to those patients within those cohorts to understand what it's really like to be them, to try and get under the surface of what's really happening in their lives, very much understanding that the wider determinants of health are as, if not in some cases, more important than the disease-specific conditions that patients are living with. In this podcast, what we're hoping to do is give you an example of how this worked in practice in Wokingham North PCN, primary care network. So to give you a bit of background about Wokingham North PCN, it's a relatively affluent area in the commuter belt. A lot of patients here commute to work in London. As part of this work, 
we started off by looking at the data. Now, it's worth bearing in mind that population health management is 10% data, 90% behavioral change. And so the data is crucially important and increasingly we have rich, nuanced, rich sources of data that we can use and access both from health and social care to try and understand what's happening to our population. But the next step is to go out and talk to patients to try and work out what's actually happening in our community and what these wider determinants of their healthcare and needs are and how we can help to provide patients the care that is important to them and also support our staff to be able to provide a service that feels positive and improves working lives. Within the PCN, and we replicated this within many uh, of our PCNs that took part in this wave one of population health management development work, we created a team comprising a clinician who we call the clinical ambassador for population health management, a manager to help support us in making these changes and designing these new services, and an analyst. This golden triangle of experts had a look at the data to try and work out which population cohorts were identified who needed a slightly different approach. I'm going to hand over to Matthias now to discuss a little bit about the data analysis that went on. I was particularly focused on how we could link the new data sets to reward us with new findings we've never considered before. So the program was really able to bring together data on patient activity and spend from a range of services from health and social care, including from the acute sector, A&E, inpatient and outpatient services, general practice, community mental health services, adult social care, the ambulance, prescribing and some others as well. So at the end of the program, we had access to five years of linked, costed, segmented, stratified data for the population of Berkshire West. We could use it as a basis for projecting and forecasting activity and spending for the population of Berkshire West. So this data then showed us if we do nothing over the next five years, we can expect an increase in spending for Berkshire West by 15%. So this was one of the drivers to identify patients, patient cohorts, and design interventions around these patient cohorts, which are predicted to have the biggest impact on our spend and our activity moving forward. So we realized we had to do something different, and we had to be a lot more proactive in our approach. We have, for example, a cohort of diabetic patients who, when they become unwell, we react to that. But actually, we need to think a few steps back and ensure that they remain as well as possible in order to prevent a few years down the line, this crisis with a huge increase of expenditure expected in our system as a result of more patients becoming unwell. Within each particular area, there are particular needs. So when we looked at Wokingham North PCN, we looked at the data and we found a cohort of patients who had type 2 diabetes and often but not always were overweight and often but not always had a background diagnosis of either depression or anxiety or both. And we found that this cohort tended not to respond as well to requests from the surgery to come to diabetes reviews, to engage with treatment and so forth. There were 75 patients identified in this cohort and 10 of them were chosen at random and were contacted. And there was some qualitative research that was done interviewing these patients as to why this was the case. And some themes emerged, and amongst the themes were the, the issue of busyness. So what we were told repeatedly was that these patients understand a little bit about their diabetes, and they understand it's important to control their 
health to help deal with their diabetes and improve their lifestyle. But actually, their priorities were their job, paying their mortgage, their very busy weeks, and the Tuesday afternoon diabetes review clinics really didn't fit in with the rest of their lives. The second theme that emerged was unfortunately a number of patients felt that the diabetes approach that had been taken previously was somewhat patronizing. They understood that they shouldn't eat sugar, but actually they wanted to have a much more in-depth approach taken to why their lifestyle is as it is, to try and help them to improve things a lot more holistically. With these themes and a few others, an intervention was designed to try and provide a service that better suits this cohort of patients so that they hopefully will engage with services and together in a collaborative approach can improve their diabetes care and hopefully prevent them from becoming very unwell and from a purely economic perspective, extremely costly to the health service in the future. So I'm just going to hand back to Mateus to discuss a little bit more about the data analysis that helped support these conclusions and the creation of this new service. I think what led to the design of the intervention was the, the analysis we, we talked about earlier and then what the data allowed us to tell us. So on a macro level, on a system level, the data really allowed us to identify patterns of activity and spend and allow us to forecast where the increase will be in the future really on, a, on a system level. We then broke it down on a, on a meso level where this work allowed us to segment patients, identify cohorts of patients, conditions and points of delivery that have been drivers of activity and spend on, and also will be drivers of spend and activity in the future. And this then led us to the design of interventions to respond to the needs and being, as you said, then, more proactive on a micro level or on a surgery or even PCN level. So the benefits of this program work, and as you described in my response probably a bit more dry more technical Hmm. was that the program made it quite clear that we are on the right path to be more proactive there's a need to be more proactive to design interventions to detect conditions earlier and to design proactive interventions and to beat this barrier of traditional healthcare delivery being reactive and me coming from an acute provider we mainly react when the patients pop up on our doorstep so this ICP integrated care partnerships and this population health management is great for us as an organization as well to open up and work with our system partners to be more proactive for our population uh, because we all serve them together. So I think the benefit and also was for PCNs to visualize and demonstrate the power of PHM population health management on a locality or neighborhood level to be very helpful to understand utilization patterns, behavioral changes, as you said, and why we have this geography across Berkshire West, which has a very high health literacy and good state of health in general. We have our pockets of high deprivation. So in particular, what we found in our data analysis, that especially for South Reading, shows a high rate of a tendencies, high rate of admissions, and then digging deeper into the why and how this happened. There's a lot of understanding around the social demographics and the wider determinants of health, which then can be addressed with primary care and PCNs moving forward. So there's a lot of things going on on a PCN level, and this is one of the parts we work in with primary care to strengthen primary care within PHM. One of the key elements within this program and what was also one of the enablers for for success was the implementation of analyst huddles. Analyst huddles were fortnightly meetings with representatives from providers and players across the system who provide their time and expertise to clinicians, to healthcare professionals to design and to support the design of these interventions and to interpret the data. 
So they were looking into the social demographics in certain areas for certain patients, for certain conditions, which then resulted in some of the work in walking in town centre or in, in South Reading. So these analyst huddles were also a great resource of expertise because for the first time, the analyst community of the Berkshire West Health System and Social Care System came together in a single room on a fortnightly basis to discuss separate issues and share problems around data, connectivity and problems and patient flow. And what are the problems and the issues we normally don't discuss with our colleagues across the system? So then with support of Public Health England, we did a skill mapping exercise which was really useful to identify our capabilities, analytical capacity within the system. So we found we had around 90 individuals across the system with analytical capacity and capabilities. And then we did a skill mapping exercise to identify which kind of analytical skills we have in the system. And it was a very interesting map to see where are our gaps. Population health management clearly identified as a gap, but it also showed we had a decent understanding what population health management can do what it does and what we could do and could achieve with population health management. So having a huddle of analysts moving forward is probably also good lessons for, for other health systems to provide this resource for clinicians and for health professionals to support this development of interventions, even on a surgery or PCN level. What is new and what is great for the Berkshire Health System now is we have now a data set over five years historic data which is linked, costed, segmented into different patient populations and cohorts, which is stratified. So we have access now to this whole range of data of activity and spend, which allows clinicians from different settings, from the acute to GPs, pharmacists, adult social care, to come together and design these interventions along the patient pathway. So historically, working for an acute provider, we look at a&E performance, outpatient tendencies, admission rates. It's a very organization-focused perspective. But now talking to my GP colleagues in the room or our local authority colleagues around social care, it provides different opportunities to discuss our findings from data in joining up our data sources. But certainly it requires some investment in IT infrastructure and data architecture. So having these data elements is not a short-term objective. It requires work, but also learning for other systems to get the data warehouse in order, data governance and all these kind of things. So for us, getting the data in order allows us to do much more in the future. What we did, along with the support of our patients, was to design a slightly different approach to what is essentially a diabetes review, to provide a service which was more suited to what the patient needed. We looked at what was available in our PCN area, the professional groups available. We gathered their thoughts and we were very lucky indeed to have the expertise of Dr. Jennifer Singh, who helped design an evening for a cohort of these patients. And 10 patients were invited to an evening and initially attended a group consultation to discuss a little bit about their experiences and trying to get under the surface of why their diabetes was not quite as well controlled as it could be. And then they spent some time with Dr. Singh looking at lifestyle factors that may be influencing their current state of health. My approach was mainly a lifestyle medicine approach, which is an evidence-based branch of medicine. It tends to look at how food, movement, sleep and rest affect well-being, right down to a molecular level. And it goes beyond sort of the basic advice that 
maybe a lot of GPs would tend to give in um, consultations because we're so time constrained. And it was more about creating a personalised intervention plan for these patients. I went through sort of four major pillars of health, stress, diet, movement and sleep. I think a lot of patients are quite familiar that the importance of, especially type 2 diabetics, about the importance of diet and exercise on controlling their diabetes, but perhaps less familiar with the impact of stress and sleep. So that was quite new for them. To give you an example, when I was talking about stress, we talked about the fact that when someone is stressed, they release cortisol, which is a stress hormone that activates your fight or flight response because your body thinks it's in danger. And as a result of your body thinking it's in danger, sugar goes up, it goes up to feed the brain and the tissues. And for patients who have type 2 diabetes, they're less able to regulate their sugar. So for those patients who, in the group consultation that were under a lot of stress, we then discussed some interventions that they can potentially do and introduce the following day. Very, very easy interventions. Talking about diet, diabetics, their bodies are intolerant to sugars or refined processed carbohydrates. Talking to these patients at the evening, we talked about the fact that it's important to try and keep white and beige types of carbohydrates to a minimum because they get converted to sort of large quantities of sugar. You know, really seeing the benefits with these patients and seeing how their HbA1c results are actually improving just with these small changes. Movement is very, very important as a diabetic. So during the consultation evening, we talked about how actually focusing on building muscle through sort of a five-minute kitchen workout can actually really help improve their sugar levels. The feedback we got from after the group consultation was overall very positive. Patients who came to see me afterwards had talked about how they really enjoyed the fact that we went into great depth about type 2 diabetes, the importance of you know monitoring and doing foot checks and eye checks, but also really enjoyed the lifestyle aspect and splitting it into those four easy categories. One of the major challenges that I have in day-to-day practice as a GP, and I'm sure all other GPs can relate to this, is the frustration about how much limited time we have. So 10 minutes with a patient that perhaps comes in with high cholesterol, for example, it's often very hard to go into any detail about what that patient's diet's like, how much they're exercising, and actually give them sort of any sort of personalised plan. It often tends to be very brief advice, and often I go away thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I'm not sure that patient's going to do that because I haven't actually given them much detail or context to it. The idea of having a group consultation, I really enjoyed. It tends to address the challenges GPs have on a day-to-day basis. You get more time with that patient and you're providing accessibility to that patient as well. And that's one of the other major frustrations in general practice is patients are often waiting very long to see a GP and then when they finally get in, it's limited time. As part of the programme, the Population Health Management Development Programme that we took part in in Berkshire West, interestingly, When you had teams, as I mentioned, with a clinician, an analyst, a manager, looking at the data in each of the PCNs, they came up with different cohorts that needed a slightly different approach, different priorities. And actually, when you think about it, our areas across Berkshire West are quite different. In Wokingham North PCN, it's a relatively affluent area with a lot of professional commuters. In South Reading PCN, that's only a few miles down the road, it's a very, very different place. 
And in that area, they also identified type 2 diabetes and a cohort of patients who were not engaging. This was a cohort of Nepalese patients. There's a very large Nepalese population in South Reading and a cohort of Nepalese type 2 diabetic patients were identified who could certainly benefit from a slightly different approach and working with the Nepalese community and getting support from a diabetologist who is Nepalese. The primary care network population health clinical ambassador in that area has designed a different support program specifically tailored for the needs of the Nepalese community, respecting their cultural background and their particular preferences. And so that's an example of a very different solution to solve what appears initially to be a very similar problem tailored to the needs of the actual population. Looking at different approaches in different areas, trying to tailor the approach to the population health needs identified in the data but then subsequently investigated further through qualitative investigation and interviews with patients, trying to understand essentially what it's like to be that patient, what's important to them. You can actually provide much more nuanced, personalised services that really embrace a true proactive approach and true personalised care. For the programme in South Reading PCN, focusing on those diabetic patients of Nepalese origin, a programme is being created with the Nepalese community, which provides structured educational sessions in Nepalese for these patients who may have struggled with the standard diabetes education service that we offered, which was in English. But crucially, it's also delivered by a specialist nurse who is Nepalese and understands some of the cultural variants within that community, or at least within some patients within that community, which may require a slightly different approach than, for example, a patient in Wokium North PCN who is Caucasian and a commuter. Now, we're not saying that this is going to work for every single Nepalese patient, but a cohort can be identified who aren't engaging, who could be offered this service. We certainly don't want to be prescriptive in what is being offered. We want to work with the cohort identified to design what they want to help take control of their health. Through identification of a cohort that needs particular support, we can work in an integrated fashion with our colleagues across health, social care and the voluntary sector to put in place new interventions. The aim of all of this work is to get something done, measure the success, if it works, see how it can be rolled out more widely and disseminated. But if it doesn't, draw a line under it, think again, move on. It's a very flexible approach, a very responsive approach very different from what we might have done previously, which is often across a, a footprint which is a lot larger, where things are potentially decided in committees with a lot of background work done, a uniform approach taken and implemented across a wider population group. Now that is an approach which is still necessary and very much still important for a lot of what we do. It's crucial to do things at scale, but we also need to think about doing things locally for our particular populations. We came across a number of challenges, IG and information governance and the data collection being, being one of them. The second one, getting the width of representation across the system, getting acute provider, GPs, pharmacists, local authorities, mental health community providers in a single room on a regular basis, finding these capacities within these organisations thinking outside the organizational boundaries, freeing up time and capacities in the day-to-day -day jobs, 
was quite a challenge, but also because the system leadership was quite supportive of this program to make this happen. I think it was one of the key success factors. Well, the last challenge is around embedding the structure of these analysts. During this 20-week program, we met on a fortnightly basis. So the challenge is now, how can we keep this momentum up in the long term, investing in tools like models, data structures, but also skills and resources relating to this skill mapping I just mentioned. And how can we support the clinicians and decision makers on a system level, but also on a PCN level, to design these interventions and to evaluate these interventions to make them scalable on a PCN or even on a system level or nationwide if they work. So as part of the programme of work in Wokeham North PCN, some of the outcomes measures that we uh, we looked at were improvements in HbA1c, if suitable improvements in weight, but also patient feedback. And crucially, we measured something called the diabetes empowerment scale before and after the intervention. And there is a very significant improvement in how patients perceive their empowerment in being able to manage their diabetes themselves. And in a way, that's the most important, in my opinion, outcome measure, because anyone can make a change and improve their HbA1c. But what we're looking for is a sustained, coherent, long term change in lifestyle and mentality towards self-care and taking control of their health and hopefully what we will find over time is that the improvements will be sustained and by patients feeling much more empowered in terms of their lifestyle their healthy behaviors a collaborative approach between the practice and healthcare and the patient can help lead to a sustainable long long long-term change and hopefully that will translate into much better health for years and decades to come. Integrated Care, Population Health Management from the Frontline. Featured Dr. Dan Alton, Dr. Jennifer Singh and Matthias Winker and was produced by Robert Mulligan for NHS England and NHS Improvement. Mm-hmm.